0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. So let's just get it out of the way at the beginning. <clears throat> Yes, I saw the game. Um, yes, I saw both halves. Um, all right, we're done with that. So, um, Second Peter, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not saying Amen to that. All right, Second Peter. Wow, wow, a two brute. <laughs> all right, Second Peter. We're looking at uh, finishing up chapter 2 today. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up there. I'm going to read uh, all of chapter 1 and all of chapter 2. And then next week, Lord willing, we will start chapter 3. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness." and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to Him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And we heard this voice, which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words, for a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber." For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds then the lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to preserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority they are presumptuous self-willed they're not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the lord but these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are splots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a tainted heart trained in covetous practices, <clears throat> And are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also is he brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed, to her wallowing in the mire. So I hope you're enjoying your breakfast this morning. Um, nothing like getting to study vomit for a week, so... Fortunately, it's a simple, straightforward verse, but... Um, Let's look this week uh, at our handout. Uh, if you look at the handout there at the front page, uh, page 31, it says uh, explaining the deceptions of false teachers. So any literary or structural observations, um, and, if, and if you kind of step back and look at all of 2 Peter, uh, does it feel like chapter 2, and I didn't read any of chapter 3, we'll, we'll get into chapter 3, Lord willing, next week, but um, does it feel like chapter 2 has a connected theme to it? So what would, what would some of the themes in chapter 2 be? Yeah, so there's judgment and destruction. What else? And who's that, who's that falling on? Is that just random people? False teachers, right? Um, and what, I think it's very interesting the order in which Peter lays this out. Because he talks about, and if you just if the New King James has these section headings, that I, I like quite a bit for chapter two, I think they reflect the text well. Um, but if you think about, you know, they begin with this concept of destructive doctrines. So there is bad theology, and when we when we begin in this concept of bad theology, we see um, what happens as a result of this. Well, bad theology is taught by bad teachers, by false teachers, and there is this doom. This uh, destruction that is going to come. This judgment is going to come in verses four through eleven, and then we see from last week's text twelve through seventeen the the level and breadth of the depravity of these teachers. It's uh, when we set aside God's word. You, know, you heard me say it many times. Anything else will do, and and like verses twelve through seventeen is anything goes. Uh, and then in eighteen through twenty-two, our text for today, we see some of these practices that the false teachers have to use and we see actually an insight into their thinking in some of this so we we start with this bad theology we see that that is going to be judged the, the people that teach us are going to be judged we see how far it goes and then we see the thought process and the deceptive nature of the teachers themselves so it's an interesting process because if if i was going to if i was going to lay out this information i don't know that i would have started with the bad theology I might have started with the practices of the teacher. Here's, here's what to be looking out for. But Peter didn't lay it out that way. He started with these bad theologies are going to be uh, destructive. This is going to be uh, hideously horrible for uh, these teachers themselves. So keep in mind the structure as we go through, um, because it's, sometimes it is good to know what the, the wrong is before we know uh, the approach that someone is taking. So next up on your handout there is the most repeated words in Peter. Um, so you probably have gotten these down pat at this point, but uh, I'll give you a second here. So 42 times there and them and themselves and they shows up. There's a lot of, and that's basically all of chapter 2 is this, this concept. I'm talking about these false teachers, they are doing this. Um, but uh, you and your very direct here. Uh, us an hour and then the blank the first blank there for the 21 is will w-i-l-l and i've talked about this a couple times and this is this future indicative uh, parsing that peter uses uh, many many times in second peter that says i am confident this will occur this is not a well i think um so I, i can i can use an example from yesterday if you would like At the end of the first half, it looked pretty good, but I have a history with Vanderbilt football, and I I, I don't like to get my hopes up too high because they let me down so often. And uh, it looked good, but the, then the second half happened, um, and I w- I was hoping for like a rain delay or something that would have been great at some point, uh, but but Peter has this confidence level in the future because. God himself has revealed it to him. And we see Peter's confidence in God's word in the way in which he writes. And I think sometimes we betray our lack of confidence in God's word with the way in which we speak and the way in which we live. When we live in a way that says, well, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. I'm wishy-washy here. Not willing to stand up and speak clearly when truth needs to be said Uh, What we are saying is that this is either not true or not enough Um, So I love peter's confidence and I also love that um, After he became a what I would call a committed christ follower uh, He didn't lose that brashness. He didn't lose that boldness. It was it was refined a little bit but god took How God created him and he used it for his purposes here to instill some degree of confidence in the church so that it would not just wander and wallow around and oh we have these false teachers what's going to happen right there's a there's a lot of positive here in these future indicatives Uh, and then your next blank there uh, is the word no k-n-o-w so a lot of second peter talks about knowledge and knowing and being known and knows uh, knowing things Uh, and we'll look at a couple of those today as well I Actually, when I go back and um, uh, we're going to answer that question today, I don't know who texted me that, but we're going to answer that question. Uh, so, the question was, Do they know, do they, the false teachers, know from the start uh, they are being deceitful? So, I don't have all of your phone numbers in my phone, so it's, sometimes it's kind of fun. That, oh, okay, great, Matt. Excellent. Uh, ask me that when we get to verse twen- uh, uh, 19. Okay? I think we can. I think we have a little bit of an insight there. Uh, and then the most repeated words in today's text, so they, them, and themselves shows up 13 times in today's text, which, like, this is a lot, right? And, and, and one of the challenges when you see a piece of text, especially a piece of Bible text, that has a lot of pronouns, is sometimes you can get lost in who the they is. and are, Is the they the false teachers, or is the they the people that are following the false teachers, or the, the people that have turn back again or like which direction are we going here? So if you if you get lost in today's text uh, welcome to being normal uh, and welcome to reading the Bible Uh, and I I can promise you this when you look at the original language it is way more complicated in the original language because sometimes it is very difficult trying to figure out who the they is referring to. Grammatically some of this stuff isn't connected easily so just Say a thank you for uh, our English translations. that They do a really good job of helping us uh, navigate some of the complexities. So, All right, so let's take a look at uh, verse 18. For when they speak. So this is a present participle, so I'm going to ask you what goes in the blank. Repeatedly goes in the blank, yes. So when you see present participles, this is a repeatedly speak. And we talked about this last week, uh, this concept, uh, and it's... Uh, uh, it's, it's present in today's text today that false teachers are repeatedly depraved. It's, it's not a um, in the new, so in the Old Testament, you had this concept of prophets, right? And the prophets had to be right 100% of the time, and the prophet ever said anything that was wrong, the prophet was subject to stoning. Boom. One strike, you're out. So, I watched the baseball game last night, and uh, there's a lot of strikes thrown, right? But you have to have three strikes before you are out. In the Old Testament, it was one, which is a uh, a ridiculously high threshold for uh, perfection. Right? For humans, that's exactly right. Which I think God may actually be communicating there through that uh, restriction that His word matters, that communicating His word matters, and that the expectation is perfection. Which is one of the reasons when we look at the New Testament and it says that teachers are going to be held to a higher standard, and I'm like, okay, this is why I bite my tongue sometimes, because I'm scared I've got it wrong, and I don't want to be getting sideways. This is not good, right? So let's keep looking here. So when they speak, and this is repeatedly speak, this is a behavior, this is a lifestyle, this is a pattern. When they repeatedly speak, great swelling. So think of a, uh, think of a river that is swelling over. Think of uh, flooding. Think of things that are not where they're supposed to be, Right? So when they speak, great swelling words of emptiness. Uh, great swelling words of emptiness. So I have a slide for this. There we go. Um, uh, your, your blank here is vanity. Vanity. I feel like it's a great use of negative space. <laughs> There's my artistic assessment of the day. Uh, so the word vanity in the Old Testament... Uh, is contrasted with the concept of uh, substance. So vanity is emptiness. Vanity is worthlessness. Vanity has no substance. Vanity is, is light. And it's contrasted in the Old Testament with heaviness, something of substance, something that's got some, uh, some value. And in the New Testament, I think Peter is, is kind of borrowing this concept here, these words of emptiness. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever listened to somebody talk about the Bible And after listening for a couple of minutes, you come to the conclusion, they're not saying anything, right? Like nothing is being said. They are using words that we understand, but they are putting them together in a way that, what's your point? Like, where are we going? We're not going anywhere. And there are a lot of people that like to listen to nothing, and be very satisfied with nothing. Which is tragic because the substance and the depth and the weight of the gospel is something. It is significant. And, and Peter says when they speak, so this is not like you showed up at somebody's church one time and they said nothing. This is a lifestyle of saying nothing. I mean what, a, what an empty deathbed that would be. To look back on a life and go, yeah, I didn't say anything. What a waste, right? So when they repeatedly speak these great swelling, spilling over words of emptiness, which is kind of funny that he would connect this spilling over with emptiness, right? Because to spill over, you you kind of have to have some substance. So there's a spilling over of emptiness. It's just crazy. They allure. So I'm going to ask you, does anybody have a different translation? Because I don't use the word allure in regular speech. Does anybody have a different translation in your Bible? They allure. It's is verse 18. They seduce. That's a good word. What do you got, Marie? They what? Appeal is a really good word. Entice. Now, now we're getting more toward the nuance of the word itself. Uh, your, your blank is entrap, E-N-T-R-A-P. Um, so here's the, here's the sad thing. And and this is, I I chose this picture for a very specific reason. Um, so this is obviously a trap, right? You think back to Looney Tunes and, you know, somebody setting a trap. And, and when you set a trap, Jay, what is in the trap? Bait. What do you see in this trap? Right? There's nothing there. It's empty. And they repeatedly speak great swelling words of emptiness and they entrap. Is emptiness, right? And how do they entrap? They entrap through the lusts of the flesh. So they put things in here that have no substance but they're the lusts of the flesh, right? So when, when we get... When we get caught up and enticed and entrapped with things that deal with the, what my flesh wants to do, I want you to have this mental picture of I am walking in, like this is like, somebody tell me Admiral Ackbar is holding up a sign. This is, I'm walking into, there are like four of you that got that, that's okay. I'm walking into a trap and there's nothing there, right? There's just nothing there. And it's really, really really sad. So they allure, they entrap through the lusts of the flesh, through lewdness. And I'm, I'm going to bet a nickel you haven't used the word lewdness this last week. And if you have, I don't want to know about that conversation. So there's that. Um, but uh, lewdness is, uh, <laughs> it's licentiousness. That's the first definition, which, you know, that. That cleans it up, right? Yeah, that's just, bam, we're good to go now, right? Uh, Or lasciviousness or wantonness, which sounds like you're going to... I'm not going to go there. Um, It just means filthy. Uh, So the lust of the flesh through filthiness. So this is not a... uh, I don't want you to think about the lust of the flesh here as a, oh, uh, I want this new shiny thing. No, no, no. This is some type of filthiness. This is some type of a... It, it gives the impression that there's some kind of a sexual immorality going on here, uh, but we don't uh, 100% sure, no. He says the, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error, and your, your next blank here is a present passive participle, so it's repeatedly live. They repeatedly live in error, which that's just sad, right? I mean, that I, I've got this lifestyle that that's just where I hang out. I hang out in error, wake up today and wallow around in the licentiousness of the flesh and I'm trapped by nothing and I repeatedly live in error. I mean, does he, does he paint a positive picture of this or he's pretty, he's pretty clear, right? I love Bible texts that just, well, we know which side of the fence we're talking about here, right? This is pretty straightforward. So from those who repeatedly live in error while they, so here's your next blank, while they repeatedly promise to assert, to profess, they repeatedly promise them liberty. So who would be doing the promising in a teaching-student relationship? The teacher is doing the promising, right? These false teachers are doing the promising. And what are they promising? Liberty. So think about this for a second. The, The tactic that is used is appealing to the lusts of the flesh through filthiness. And there's emptiness there. And there's an entrapment there. And I'm going to promise you liberty inside filthiness that is empty. Like this is shockingly illogical. (laughs) Right? But the math part of my brain just reels against this. Because it's crazy. And they promise them liberty. So here we go, Matt. You ready? They themselves repeatedly are slaves. Now, the New Testament talks about uh, slavery a couple of different ways. Uh, Probably the most, I don't know, probably many times in the New Testament uh, an author or someone will identify themselves as a slave of Jesus Christ. This is a great thing. We have clearly identified the correct master-servant relationship. We have got Jesus where he should be. We have got where we where we should be. That is a right relationship. But that is not this that is being described here. This is the, the, the doulos, the, the word that we typically talk about, a slave of Jesus Christ. They are slaves of corruption or ruin. Uh, last week we looked at this verse and uh, talk to you about this is something that we can see this is decay this is something that that breaks down the body uh, over time and and this makes sense right so if you're going to be entrapped through the lusts of the flesh things that I crave filthiness that I crave for my body is that not in at some point going to take an impact on our bodies yeah right About what? About marijuana. Marijuana, okay, all right. Yeah, so so the who is being uh, deceived by this message? Who are the students? That's right, it's the church. So when you say this is applicable to absolute, it's literally written for our understanding, so that we say, "Here's the truth of the scripture." I'm going to hold it up to what this teacher says, and I don't get deceived by somebody that's coming along and saying something different. And and this has this has physical impacts, this has spiritual impacts we saw last week and the week before this has eternal impacts, we're going to see that again today um, and it is it results in slavery Like this is, this is how to become a slave you get entrapped by something that is not worth what you are willing to sacrifice for it and this is just sad but it's things that we need to hear because hi, we're the ones being deceived by this So let's look at this verse 19. So while they repeatedly promised them liberty or freedom, um, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome or uh, uh, is uh, made inferior for, by him he is also brought into bondage, which is just the the verb form of the uh, noun for slaves. So let me... Let me ask you here. Does it say in verse 19 that the teacher knew they were slaves? So, Matt, I'm looking at you here now. Do you? Where? Well, I mean, I I think as far as if if they become slaves of it, they know what they're in. Oh, time out. Do we, though? Do we know what we are slaves of? I, I can I will tell you from my experience, I can look back on my life and see periods of wow. I had no idea that had suckered me into a life of idolatry in that. You know, that's that, that's kind of where I was going with it, though, was that maybe not from the get go, but that, that's why I question the question was posed. Now there we go. So let me ask you a question. Um, whose responsibility is it when a false teacher stands up and proclaims false doctrine in the church? Whose responsibility is that? To, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And this is one of the reasons why I believe it is critical for every member of Stuart Heights to have an understanding of the Scripture so that we can prevent... because. I'm like God help us! If 50 years from now, this place is proclaiming heresy, and and if you think it could take 50 years, it could take three. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, this is this stuff can be shockingly fast. Sin it, it doesn't just stay in one nice neat little spot. It always spreads. It always expands. It always infects other things. And doctrine does this too and we see it here it's they promised them liberty but they themselves are slaves of corruption so it's literally the the farthest thing from being a slave to jesus christ as you can get right so rather than being a slave to the holy one we are slaves to corruption the, the one who was never corrupted it's just incredibly sad That's right. And I think way back yep. That's right. And if you don't know, like you, said, if you don't know the then there's really no you stand you and be they don't know this That's right. right? The, uh, yes. Amen. Amen to that. So continuing on in verse uh, 19, for by whom a person is overcome by him, he is also brought into bondage. So, so these people are, these teachers are slaves of corruption and they are bringing others into bondage as well. Um, which is just sad. Verse uh, tw- 20, for if after they have escaped, the same word we used back in verse 18, the pollutions of the world. And, and we hear the word pollution as a 21st century American, and we think what? Like, <coughs> like air pollution and water pollution. Like, and it, it's, it's really, like it's, it's not necessarily that. This is more of a, a moral pollution, right? So if you have ever been in a city that, that you, you walk down the street and you realize very quickly, like, this is, this is an evil, wicked place. Like, this is a morally depraved place. That's what this is talking about. So our, our English word pollution kind of has been, I don't want to say hijacked, but it, it, it's a much broader word than the, the way that the Scripture is using it here. Um, this moral foulness. So this pollutions of the world through the knowledge, through the epinosis, of the Lord, of uh, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I, I think it's interesting here that so many times in Second Peter, Peter talks about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's not the word that he used here. Um, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, because I don't think it was ever their Lord, I think it was the Lord. And there's a big difference in acknowledging the existence of someone and inviting in the uh, master-servant relationship. Those are, those are two totally fundamentally different things. This is, you, you might have heard this said, uh, there's a head knowledge and there's a heart knowledge, right? I, I absolutely agreed. So through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled or entwined or balled up with, in them and overcome it's the same word again the the latter end the eschatos now what does that sound like eschatology right it's the end time it's literally the word the blank is the final so we're talking about the latter end the 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 end of all things and at the end of all things we are in one of two places we are in heaven with god Or we are in hell. And so it says here, the end, at the final, the end is worse for them than the beginning, the protos, the very beginning. So so if you were talking about the end is worse, the only time the end is worse is for the pagan. That's it. There's not another time where the end is worse. For the believer, the end is always better. Whatever you are going through, your physical circumstances, your financial circumstances, your uh, spiritual circumstance, whatever, if you are a believer, a, a, uh, you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your future is better than your present. And this is incredibly encouraging, right? Because my son has had a chronic cough for almost seven weeks now. And it is just, we are tired at our house and we are exhausted. And I hurt for him. And the only, the only hope that I have to give him is that this will get better. And that's what I tell him two or three times every single day. This is going to get better. This is going to get better. This, and it, and it, he and I haven't had the conversation about it. It may not get better here. Because I don't have the heart to tell him that right now. But it's going to get better. And I can rest assured of that. And that's how I can go to sleep every night. Because it's going to get better, so this is not an academic pursuit for me. This is this is real. So for them, though, these false teachers, the latter end is worse than the beginning. But for the believer, it is better. So verse twenty-one: For it would have been better for them not to have known the way. Now this is—he did not say not to have believed or not to have uh, been a part of or for them to have repented and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. He said, for them not to have known. Because I can promise you, there are thousands and millions and hundreds of millions of people on this planet that know about Jesus. That know about some concept related to the gospel. And they drive right on by. Because there's tens of thousands that do it past this building every single day. So there's this knowledge without having this relationship. So they knew the way of righteousness. Then having known it, to turn. And your word here, your blank here is to revert. To revert. So if you you are driving and you turn, so we're going to go a different direction here, right? So we're going to revert from the holy commandment delivered to them. So this is somebody that, that knew the knowledge of the scripture, which is really sad. And, and he's going to use this word again in verse 22, and it's going to be incredibly insulting. Uh, one of the most insulting things that you could say to somebody else if you're a Jew, verse 22, but it has happened to them according to the true or the truth proverb, a dog uh, and if you so, uh, if you're a dog lover, don't do a study of dogs in the Bible. It is like just avoid that. Um, I actually like dogs. I, I'm just allergic to everything. But don't do like that is not going to help you and your relationship with anything. Um, but it, he talks about here a dog returns. It's the exact same word for uh, this person turning away from the holy commandment that they knew uh, under, that they understood before. Uh, thank you Sean, you're a blessing um, So now we're, we're getting to the joke Texts that are coming in So there's that so, so a dog returns to his own Vomit And this word is the same word for turning Back in verse 21 So what he's calling these false Teachers, because when you use An analogy about somebody You are calling them that thing And he's calling them Dogs and there, there weren't many things in Jewish culture that were worse than dogs, but he's about to get to another one. And a sow, or a hog, is a pig, having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Like this is, Peter leaves no doubt about how he feels about these folks, right? You are damned, you are deceived, your judgment is certain, and I think you are dogs and pigs. Well, okay then, Peter. <laughs> right? And if, and if you think that Peter, late in his uh, years, uh, kind of mellowed out and became this, yeah, just love everybody. No! He was going to proclaim the truth of the gospel and defend the gospel to his dying day. And I praise God for that. Because undoubtedly there were people that he influenced with this letter that decided to turn away from false teachers and hold up the scripture and say, what does the Bible say about what you are saying? And left these awful pagan places. So on the back side of your handout, um, oh my gosh, y'all are killing me. <clears throat> One of these days I'm going to release the text message greatest hits that I have received during the middle of teaching, and y'all are going to wonder, like, how did he hold it together? like, how did he do it? It's just, it is, oh my, no, no, I thought about that one time, and no. Uh, All right, so application number one, so what do you think the blank is for number one there? Repeatedly, yes, false teachers are repeatedly depraved in behavior, in in uh, theology, and I stole that shamelessly from last week's lesson, so when you steal from yourself, it's, it's okay. Um, so what do we do with that? Well, know the Scripture, K-N-O-W, know the Scripture, so we know what to look for. It's our only hope, guys. It's not like we have some other book somewhere that's going to fill in the blanks that the Bible didn't cover. We, we have everything we need for life and godliness. I think he said that at the beginning, didn't he? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Something like that, right? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Huh, imagine that. He's already addressed this. I'm glad he did. Application number two. The end is always worse for the pagan. So said another way, sin is going to reveal itself. And it's, it's not pretty. It looks like vomit and mire. Because Satan always over promises and underdelivers. Always. You're going to get it every single time. So what do we do with that? What do you think? Know the Scripture. That's right. And God help us if we are experts in man's commentaries as opposed to the Scripture itself. God has not called us to be commentologists. He's called us to be people of the book. So get in the book. Know what the Scripture says so that we can refute uh, bad theology and evil teachers, and potentially convert them to the saving knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if some of these uh, pagan TV preachers today actually got a hold of the gospel and were truly converted and then turned their amazing audience to Jesus? Imagine this. That would be beautiful. So don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't get discouraged. Because God is going to win. So next week, uh, we turn the corner. We start talking about His promises. Uh, Start talking about end times a little bit. Um, And then uh, your homework there is listed at the bottom. So if you've uh, got your prayer requests at your table, and you should, the weekly update, uh, lean in, engage, uh, make any updates that you need to for those. Uh, And then after you have shared any prayer requests and prayed, uh, you are dismissed. And thank you for coming to Sunday school today, guys. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.